Let me add. Greetings and salutations, folks. Welcome back to another special edition of the Rankable Podcast. I'm your host, Mike King. And today I am joined with the uh, co-founder and CEO of Neva, Sridhar Ramaswamy. Uh, super excited to have you, Sridhar. Thank you. I'm super excited to chat. Uh, you know, search is clearly a topic that uh, uh, we and your listeners are passionate about. So we're going to geek out, have a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. And so for anyone who isn't familiar with Neva, first of all, you should be. It's a great search engine. In fact, from my perspective, they've been doing a lot of innovative things before some of the bigger ones. And also, 3DR has a background of coming from Google, where he used to run the um, Google advertising products and so on. So there's a lot that we can talk about today that I'm excited about. And so I'm just going to jump right in just so we can maximize this time. So... Um, it's difficult to talk about a search engine without, of course, giving the context of Google. And of course, Google is under a lot of threats right now. Uh, retrieval augmented generation, you know, macroeconomic threats, antitrust threats with the ads business, users feeling like search quality has gotten worse and preferring Reddit for search, and also the threat of, you know, visual social platforms like TikTok. So from my perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like Neva is embracing solutions for all of those things. So what is Neva's strategy and how do you expect to compete with Google and monetize without ads? Well, uh, you packed a lot in there. Um, <laughs> Vivek and I started Neva about four years ago, uh, you know, based on uh, at one level an abstract thought at uh, another level, uh, a bold hypothesis that we could create a better search engine. Uh, that's what we wanted to do. We said uh, Google is too beholden to ads, has too much SEO content. Uh, we need a different way to think about search. Plus, there was a part of us that is also, you know, had this thing of, gosh, it's kind of not a great idea for there to be just one search engine in the world. Uh, little bit did, did we know that things like AI were just around the horizon. No one knows these things. Um, and so when we started in 2019, that was it. We wanted to create a better search engine. Um, we, you know, uh, have always felt passionately about user experience. And so we made it um, an ads-free private search engine um, because we thought that was a better way to approach search, a purer way to approach search. We also thought that it gave us a lot of scope for innovation. Uh, and we like the simplicity of the alignment between uh, the user and the customer. Uh, and the user and the customer are the same. You're not trying to answer to like, you know, uh, two people that are in charge. Anytime you type in a query into Google, um, you know, there's like this conflict of interest going on uh, where Google has to decide, do I want to show a bunch of ads to my car or should I just show like the one thing that he might be looking for? Um, and so we wanted to avoid all that. That's sort of how Neva came to be. That's a good part. The bad part, like we wish you have realized, um, is uh, it is really hard to get people excited about search. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, uh, it shocked us that, uh, you know, when we would ask perfectly otherwise tech-savvy people, hey, what's your search engine? They'd be like, I think it's Safari. They're like, oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a real thing, man. You know, like people who see his degrees. Um, and so we are like, wow, this is as much about raising awareness as it is about anything else. Uh, but of course, you know, when you're a startup, um, um, there is a lot 
um, of just plain dumb luck that is involved in taking advantage of opportunity. Early last year, we saw that all of a sudden AI models had advanced enough that you could do a lot more things. That's when we made the big pivot to answers, not links. Um, and uh, so that was, that's where we think search uh, is uh, is going. I think what we are seeing in front of our eyes, and that's like the coolest thing about it, similar to when the internet first came along, you know, 20, 25 years ago, uh, or when uh, we knew uh, smartphones were going to take off. I still remember um, Andy giving us some um, thing was called the G1, um, mm-hmm. the uh, first Android smartphone with like a pullout uh, keyboard and this amazing screen. And then after that, um, the first completely, um, you know, touch screen. You could, you, you, you looked at this. You started using this, and you went like, "Oh my God!" There's no going back from there. I feel a little bit um, that way um, with search and answers. You're like, "Oh my God!" There's no going back to piles of links. Uh, this is going to be exciting, and that's sort of like a fast forward version um, of sort of you know where Neva started and where we are. Still care about privacy. Still care about sort of being um, being user first, but what we can now confidently say is, you know, hey, we are creating a much better search experience than providing a bunch of links. Got you. And so, you know, it, it sounds like you believe that chat-based search or answer-based search, rather, is going to replace the standard search. Um, do, I guess my question is, do we feel like that's going to be the modality that, um, you know, meets all user information needs moving forward? Or is it going to be the sort of thing where they might switch between the different modes on a regular basis? I mean, that is always possible. You know, um, I'm, uh, uh, I don't know. When uh, uh, I, I ask my kids, they're not so much big TikTok users. And I say like, you know, when, when I ask some other Gen Zers, um, so what do you look for on Google or what do you look for on TikTok? People have all of these things mapped out. If they're looking for a costume for Halloween, they're going to TikTok. They're not going to go to Google. Uh, if they are looking for, um, you know, like like even uh, uh, makeup advice, they're going to go to TikTok. Um, and recipes, for example, is a little bit more split. There are some people that like videos for it and other people that prefer, um, you know, a text with a list of uh, list of steps. Um, but my... Um, Simple observation is this. Um, no one wakes up and says, I want to click on a link. <laughs> I mean, that's like, really, that's what it comes down to. Okay, if you have a question, no one puts in a question and says, I'm going to be excited to click on the first link that should drop. Said no one. Um, and so from that simple perspective, um, it's just going to be more and more the expectation that, you know, if there's an answer to that, like the experience that just gives it to you is always going to win. It is the, it's like, you know, it's Occam's razor. It's that thing built into all of us uh, where we are like, yeah, I want to do the smallest amount of work for any mm-hmm. particular task that I have. in And so rather than get like philosophical about this and th- this and that, I basically go like, you know, if I want something and you can just give it to me, please just like give it to me. Um, okay. And uh, so that's where I think search is going to be um, influenced in a pretty big way. It's not the be all end all. I think there's a lot more, I think context carrying, um, like as you go from having things be more of a conversation and obviously, 
you know, no one wants like a pile of text. The other thing that is true is like, no one woke up and said like, they want to read a 1500 page blog. They're like, if you can give them the answer in three sentences, always preferable. Um, so absolutely, you're right. I think like all of these interactions will evolve. Um, but from the simplest city of like, are answers better than links? Yep, answers are better than links. By the way, Google knew this from 10 years ago, as um, you know, many of your listeners know, um, it is at once nice uh, and at once depressing uh, to be part of featured snippets. And the reason Google did it is because three lines of featured snippets always trumped over a, a link that people had to get in and extract information from. So I think that is the, there's no turning back point. Um, there's a lot that has to happen in terms of how things will evolve. Um, and I'm sure that you noticed that yesterday, Ming is like, hey, in Sydney chat, we now also have uh, ads and we all went, yay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. So see, your point on feature snip is that actually brings up one of my other questions. Um, and, you know, perhaps like just generally speaking from the answer perspective, this may also be true. But do you find that the presence of an answer or a feature snippet kind of displaces the um, search behavior. And what I mean by that is like, let's say, you know, previously I, I searched for information on the Eiffel, Eiffel Tower and I had to go read, you know, through a series of different links to get that answer. Does the answer being right there in the SERP yield subsequent queries um, as a result of that answer being right there? I think that um, I would say from just an information consumption perspective, uh, and I would say this is larger than search. Um, I think um, uh, similar to something like the touch screen, um, which changed how we interacted with every app, not just one app. Um, I think um, like things being conversational uh, will be the norm going uh, going forward. Meaning um, that uh, you know, I think increasingly we will expect systems that we can quote unquote, just like talk to or, uh, or, or type uh, into. Uh, and so um, that like search box, the hated search box on most websites, which don't work very well, um, I can easily see how they will all become site specific chatbots where you're like, um, hey, what's the, uh, um, what's the top article on AI content on Eiffel rank or, uh, Show me recent articles about AI content, and you know your article is going to uh, is going to come up, and somebody's going to be like, uh, um, "What does Mike say about uh, GPT-3?" And then you know there's this answer engine that pulls out the relevant snippet from that. Um, uh, in my mind, the biggest immediate impact that large language models and AI um, is going to have on information is just change our expectation from it. You know, we have something in mind. Um, we get a bunch of links, we will go to these links, and it's up to us to figure out which part of a particular page is relevant to the question that we had in mind. We had to do all of that work. I think the norm more and more is going to be, yeah, just ask a question. You will have the right portion summarized. Uh, and if you're like, I want to learn more, you might get another summary, um, or uh, you might want to know about things that are related to this. So I think just information consumption is, is going to get more and more fluid um, with increasing levels of detail um, or other related topics that are driven more by you 
as the user and the customer. And I find that part um, really, really exciting. Um, because as I said, right now for most things, you're like, ah, I have to scroll up and down. What is it that I was looking for? Um, I think these models are going to just create much more fluid, fluid uh, interfaces that we can all use. Okay, let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk technical stuff. So what is yeah. the technical advancements in NLP that Neve is leveraging to build a better search engine? Um, it's up and down the stack. So um, as uh, as you know, things like hand uh, handling spell corrections, diacriticals, related queries uh, is one of the key tasks for a search engine. Uh, and I'm sure uh, all of your listeners also know that most sites not called Google, <laughs> even Gmail search, uh, have traditionally done a truly terrible job of taking care of those things. Um, I was at Google for 15 years. Um, and by the way, a fun side story, uh, uh, Gmail search has two different systems that they have not managed to replace. The results that you get in the suggest box as you're typing into mm -hmm. that Gmail search box is a system that is completely different from the one that returns answers after you hit enter. Um, <laughs> nice. Uh, uh, the first one is like a, a modern world-class system, and the second one is like old-school Gmail search. Um, but it tells you how hard some of these problems are. So we use large language models extensively uh, to basically do this thing called query rewrite. Um, so we understand intent better. Um, and when there, are, when there are very long queries, it helps us identify what is like Mike really asking for. Uh, so that, mm -hmm. like, that is one part. Um, we've also... Um, built essentially a deep retrieval system that we use for long queries. Um, uh, like a fundamental component of search for the past 40 years now um, has been uh, using a set of techniques um, based on what's called information retrieval. Um, uh, and essentially you can think of this as extract bigrams, you know, at its coarsest level from documents, index them all, and when people put in the query, Go figure out which are the which are the docs that have all of the bigrams in the query. Then you go through like a ranking process that is traditional search ranking. We have one such system that is very good for short queries, head queries. We also built a deep retrieval system which will essentially take a document and embed that in some crazy 400 dimension vector space. We do the same thing mm -hmm. for the queries and we retrieve documents based on um, essentially. Uh, nearest neighbor match in this 400 dimension, high dimensional space. That's on the retrieval side. Um, and then uh, what we do when when we have identified, uh, say, the top few hundred pages, uh, we also do more elaborate ranking um, that uses uh, that that uses embedding models. Um, so that's like in the pure pure bucket. Now, when it comes to AI answers, um, we do it in two phases. In the first phase, we look at the top 10 results that have come back for a query, look at their contents, and generate several kinds of summaries. We have models um, that know how to deal with structured content, how to deal with news content, how to deal with forum content from places like Reddit. And what these models will do is given the query, given a set of results, they will generate the first level of summaries. Then we take these summaries, um, run more algorithms to figure out which are the best ones to use, and use that as input to a final, more sophisticated model, that's the one that's producing the Neva AI answer. The cool thing about all of this, all of these models are fine-tuned by us. They run within our clusters. We don't make like ABI calls out to uh, other people. We also run them dirt cheap. 
um, because some of the big models from OpenAI and other people are incredibly expensive. Um, so this is really deep, deep integration um, of uh, large language models um, and uh, and different kinds of them uh, into how we are running our search engine. And all of this has to happen like you know in like twelve hundred milliseconds. Um, mm -hmm. And so just making this work for every single query where you're ranking like two, three hundred thousand documents down to the one single AI answer that you show, um, that's the magic that, uh, you know, this 50% NIVI team is able to pull off. So I just want to say one, I, I love you sharing the stories. I also appreciate you giving this um, technical overview here. This for some context. I'm actually finishing up a book called The Science of SEO, which is very much like an IR book for SEOs. Yeah. And so, you know, to hear you talk about like the vector space model and, you know, moving towards embeddings, semantic search and all that. My audience loves that. I love to hear it. Um, quick question on all of that. And, you know, if, if you're not able to answer that, I understand. But would you say that, and I won't put words in your mouth, but would you say that, you know, the move from sparse embeddings to more dense embeddings was like, like the a key change for search in general, because like back in the day with everything being, you know, so basic, like TFIDF modeling versus where we're at with embeddings and so on, would you say that's like the point where the state of the art for information retrieval just dramatically changed? It's a gradual process. Um, actually, I don't know, for example, uh, whether Google actually uses, um, uh, like deep deep retrieval for uh, um, for for long queries, uh, mm -hmm. it might be an entirely IR. There are different uh, IR based index. There are different techniques for doing um, you know for doing these things, um, and uh, 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 like definitely using things like face indices um, has made longer queries much much better. But what happened, um, Mike, is um, um, because very long queries were not answered that well anyway, um, people restricted the kind of queries that they put into search engines. Part of what is fascinating about chatbots is because you think you can talk to them, uh, people ask all kinds of questions. Um, uh, this guy, Jason Calacanis, um, you know, a Twitter celebrity, um, he put in, uh, you know, how are the New York Knicks doing? Uh, into into Neva and a bunch of other places, and he was annoyed with our answer. He's like, ah, you guys didn't do a great job of summarizing how the Knicks are doing. Um, but the fact of the matter is, like, no one in their right mind would have thought about putting that query into a search engine four months ago. So expectations are also changing. Um, and when you begin to have, like, 40, 50-word queries that you would never type into a search engine, I think that's where places like Deep Retrieval really, really shine because it's very hard to do IR techniques when queries are uh, um, when when queries are that long. Um, and Google's gotten a lot of mileage out of, um, you know, they have had uh, things called salient terms, uh, which is basically you can think of that as like an LLM summary. What are the key concepts that are embedded in a page? And they've been doing that for a very long time. And it's also rumored, for example, that uh, Bing has had massive wins in quality recently. And uh, they've talked about it without talking about the techniques. Um, essentially, by doing things like using LLMs uh, to create summaries um, and then uh, essentially doing high-dimensional matching um, between these summaries and the query, 
um, and therefore you are able to influence search quality much more heavily. Um, so it's like a slew of techniques that are coming together to move the state of the art forward. Gotcha. Yeah, when I saw that announcement, I assumed that they just started using open AIs embeddings, but what you said obviously, you know, seems more reasonable. Um, I think the embeddings are important, and then you're able to do the same for same for the queries, and then you're able to do better ranking using, um, you know, these embedding. That's a technique we also use. Uh, we use like a cross encoder model that takes the query that takes the embedding for a given document, and then will and then will compute a score. Uh, so things like that are very powerful. Cool. So I've watched a lot of your interviews over the last couple of weeks in preparation for this, and one of the things that you had mentioned in one of them was the idea of closed loop versus open loop approaches to LLMs. Um, what is the difference in your approach in, or what is the difference in your approach that's yielding results that are hallucinating less than what we're seeing from a Bing or a Bard? Uh, so uh, uh, there are several players. I would uh, um, say like ChatGPT is in one bucket. That's what I, um, I, I, I think of as open loop. Uh, where the model goes through a period of training, um, is not really connected to a search engine or to the internet, and then you query it, uh, it generates answers. Uh, the main issue with that is that um, it's very subject to hallucination, especially for things that there is not a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of information about. Um, and uh, on the other hand, the technique that we pioneered, uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, was retrieval augmented generation. We said we don't want LLMs to generate answers willy-nilly um, for user queries. Instead, what we're going to do is we're going to use the power of search to figure out the best results for a given query. Uh, and we're going to add some secret sauce on top of it um, that even given the best results will do things like disambiguation. Um, it turns out that uh, search engines sort of have traditionally optimized for diversity of intent, uh, meaning that if you put the word Swift, for example, um, you know, you can mean all kinds of things. It's um, clearly the word. It is clearly just, uh, you know, like an English word. Um, it's also the name of a banking system. It is the name of an Acer laptop. It is, um, so this list goes on and on. And search engines have generally dealt with this by saying, oh, um, here's a dictionary entry. Oh, uh, maybe you meant the programming language, couple of results. Uh, here is something about the banking code. They sort of often will present all of these concepts. And, and then we realized that, uh, you know, uh, we had to be careful about even what we fed into the large language model so that it would not hallucinate. So we go through a process of figuring out, you know, what are the likely intents that the user had? Let's pick the best one or perhaps give them options for what other intents they could mean. Um, but we take the content from a set of pages and use that to control generation. We basically instruct the large language model to say, answer this query in the context of these results and information from these results. In other words, don't manufacture anything. Um, and by doing that, we are able to produce citations for every answer that, um, that we create. We also are able to not give answers to things that honestly there's not a lot of information about uh and uh so these are like some of the techniques that we've been using uh to minimize the number of hallucinations don't get me wrong we still have a few sometimes we'll mix you know two people with the same name um uh other times like you know um we will uh 
uh, our models are still struggling uh, with uh, how to interpret time, uh, you know, correctly. Uh, the classic case where uh, we don't do well sometimes is let's say something happened on Monday and there's a news article um, that'll basically say uh, on Monday something, something, something happened. Um, and then you take a summary of the news article and try and uh, generate like a new AI answer. You'll see some answers that say today, it'll be like on Monday. Uh, and that kind of context doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, we need to make these models understand that that news article was last week, a different news article was three days ago, so that they can sort of write, capture the context of time. Um, this is all work in progress. Gotcha. So why is the closed loop thing so hard? And, and the reason why I ask that is, you know, clearly Bard is not doing it. Bing is doing it. You guys are doing it. Like what did, what is so difficult about that approach? And, you know, in the SEO world, everyone is so like, oh, well, there's no citations. Why should I make my content available for this? So I'm just curious, like, why isn't everyone doing that? Just takes time. Uh, it takes time and expertise. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it, it basically comes down, comes down to that. Uh, and, uh, uh, and also it's like a willingness to take risk, to be honest with you. Uh, mm -hmm. Google through much of last year. There was no quarter at Google until the end of December. Okay. They were like, mm -hmm. generative AI? Yeah. What generative AI? <laughs> um, <laughs> because they were rightfully concerned. I mean, they were concerned um, that there would be hallucinations. Uh, but this is classic disruption, right? Chat GPT is like, YOLO man, um, like, really, <laughs> you'll see what happens. They didn't, show, to be fair to them, they didn't pretend that this was the end all be all oracle. They said, mm -hmm. this is a really cool tool that can do all kinds of fun things. You can write recipes, write poems, can also answer questions about the world, um, do what with it you like. Um, and that's how innovation happens. And now all of a sudden, um, it was like, honestly, it took us a little bit by surprise. Um, and But we had the burden of saying, but 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 we want AI to also be like a believable search engine. And so there was mm -hmm. tremendous pressure on us to generate answers based on real web pages, but also had citations. I remember like early December, super frustrated. I could not get like the right citation numbers to come out of the language model. And I wish I could tell you like there was a fancy research breakthrough. No, it was not. It was a bunch of tinkering with prompts. It was a bunch of instruct tuning. A lot of this sort of work is just, it's a lot of tinkering. Um, mm -hmm. And so I would say like Google absolutely is working on this. Or, I mean, not that I know, but I'd say they will be working on it. By the way, a BART is connected to um, a search engine because it is able to answer questions about things that happened recently. It's just that they have not tied everything um, together into like one cohort um, experience. Uh, and then the other thing that will often get in the way is um, if like Google wants to do this in search, obviously it has to do it um, running in less than a second. Um, and that's really hard. As I said, a massive struggle for us was how do we produce answers without killing latency a lot. I mean, Sydney is cool, don't get me wrong. Uh, no one is in a hurry to use that as their search engine because it's like, <laughs> oh dear God, 10 seconds per answer. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking like this interview um, recently um, mm -hmm. and uh, he's like, dad, this like Neva AI thing does not work under time pressure. I like want that query to come back in 500 milliseconds. Like none of this answer generating nonsense. Like you better give the answer straight up. You can't take two seconds to generate the answer, but that's the bar. That's why it's hard. 
Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people that are going to be watching this interview, of course, are SEOs. And so my next question for you is what place do you feel SEO has in this like LLM search environment? And, you know, what, what should companies be doing or thinking about doing to get visibility in those answers? Or really, I guess the question is like, how do we do SEO for need? Yeah, I mean, at one level, things are, um, you know, uh, things are the same in the sense of high-quality content um, written by human uh, is the thing that will continue to be priced. Um, and uh, so I don't really think that that changes. That's like, you know, part one. Uh, part two, I will, like, come out and confess that I think this is a whatever. This is, like a big bomb at the center of uh, of search, uh, these AI-generated answers, uh, meaning that it is a massive disruption. It is a disruption to the economic model of commercial search engines. It is a disruption uh, to how traffic comes to websites. And I certainly do not pretend that I know where exactly we are, uh, we are, we are going to land up. Um, and, uh, um, you know, and like citations are good, I think they are a must, but uh, um, people like the dirty secret here obviously is that, you know, many people are happy with quick answers. Sure, you can buy the product. And if you want to do things like that, you're going to go down to the web page. But when it comes to pure information queries, we are looking at a world in which there is far less outbound traffic uh, from, from search engines. I think that mm -hmm. is the more troubling part if I am an information, if I'm an information creator. And I think you will also see people, um, I don't know, Reddit, Twitter, others, basically tell the LLM companies, no way you're using my content to generate AI answers. You can, you know, um, and, but you know how this works. Uh, if you're not part of it, somebody else might. Um, and there's like, it's a little bit of like this prisoner's dilemma, um, where if you want to be featured, you have to let your content get hijacked. Uh, but if you let your content get hijacked, you're going to get less clicks. On the other hand, if you don't let your content get hijacked, you're not going to be the an in the answer, and you're going to be far below the fold, and you're going to get less traffic. So this is a, yeah, uh, this is definitely what is some is a little. It, it has a little bit of a feel of like you know, uh, heads I lose, tails I lose kind of uh, uh, feeling to it. Uh, it's only thing is like it's early. We all have to see how these things will evolve. And, you know, again, as I think of this from a SEO perspective, world where we get the sort of like tooling similar to what we got for search on other platforms where it's like, you know, we get a series of questions that are typically asked by users with search volume. We get um, analytics that say like, these are the sorts of questions that are being asked and here's where your content is appearing and things like that. Do you see that being in our short-term future to like kind of create that feedback loop for the content creator? Um, I think, uh, um, I, I, you know, I, I am, I am, I'm definitely, I'm positive, uh, that, you know, folks like Google and Bing will be actively thinking about those things. I think the tooling is the easy part. I think the tooling will actually improve pretty rapidly. Subject to privacy, I do think that we live in a world where uh, uh, they're all much more conscious about uh, about um, about privacy. Uh, but I definitely uh, see uh, 
like you know like tooling in webmaster console and stuff like that um for uh, hey how are people using these systems well i'm more meant for like neva is that something that is in you guys's roadmap i mean we have the internal data um we um you know but we have not built a webmaster console basically um <laughs> it's definitely something that we want to do um but at this point the team is also heads down on uh, Hey, need to crack like the uh, the 10 million user count, which is like the next target that we are chasing after. We are at several million a month, um, so it's it's definitely on our roadmap, and that's the kind of thing that we can and should be providing. Gotcha. And uh, I, I would ask you some more like specific questions about the product, but I'm also curious, what are your thoughts on this petition to pause AI innovation for six months? Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. That's sort of not not how life works. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel. Okay, so I'm talk like, to me about no, okay. common sense things, right? Mm -hmm. This is like uh, don't exercise for six months or like diet for six months. Like, okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, when I saw it, I was like, you know, these are all valid concerns which were already raised by people like. Dr. Sennet Grabru and, and so on. But, you know, you're not going to, you can't put the rabbit back in the hat. Like everyone has this stuff now. They're going to continue to interview on it. So, I mean, it um, will definitely be the kind of things that, uh, you know, we should be pushing for is uh, maybe there should be, um, Europeans do a much better job of this, by the way, um, uh, uh, where uh, uh, they will happily like levy little taxes on this or that to fund the target, you know, on, this organization or that organization uh, to help fund campaigns for things like public awareness. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly, I think there should be a an education program um, that begins to teach people um, about what is like authentic content, what is fake content. I mean, you know it. Um, we are talking like primarily in the context of like text and SEO, uh, but as you have likely heard, um, uh, you know, people, especially elders, getting scammed. Um, by like generative audio is very mm -hmm. much a thing. And so these uh, a lot of these technologies had the effect of um, um, just like uh, really messing with people, uh, messing with their sense of what is authentic versus what is not. I think there absolutely should be an awareness campaign and instead of, uh, you know, perhaps petitions, maybe a bunch of companies should get together and start like, you know, an AI education for public good uh, sort of consortium or nonprofit um, and begin to teach people about, you know, how they should be thinking about information and trust uh, going forward. Um, you know, like whenever people tell me they heard blah, 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 my first question inevitably is, uh, okay, where did you read it and who wrote it? Um, <laughs> but most people don't do that, right? They're like, I saw it on my phone, it must be real. Uh, and I would say like stuff like that is a lot more helpful um, and perhaps, you know, eat, you know, than things like, uh, like stop, which in my mind is never going to work. Right. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the, the product. Um, I'm really curious about just, I downloaded it. I played with it. I, re I really like the idea of like, you know, I think you described it as like Instagram for search. So just tell us a little, a little bit more about that and where it's going and, you know, why someone should install it right now, basically. Yeah. Um, so fun story again, uh, just came before, started before Neva AI, um, but it's launching after. Uh, 
So the uh, rough origin of uh, GIST was, uh, we said, with the advent of large language models, um, we can create page level summaries. We can create much slicker, much more visual experience. That's sort of how GIST was uh, born. And so much of the technology um, that was used for Neva AI was actually developed for GIST through last year. Mm -hmm. um, and then what happened basically um, was uh, we were able to figure out like the final piece of the puzzle, which is a single like Neva AI answer. We call it a cross doc cited summary. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and it took off in a big way and it took us a few weeks for us to get our act together and, uh, and launch just, um, but just at its essence, it's a, it's a mobile app. And, uh, as I said, uh, as you said, uh, think of it as Instagram stories merged with, uh, merged with search, uh, you put in the query and you get an AI answer and a set of, uh, getting on those just cards, um, that summarize the content of individual pages. You can quickly scan a topic, um, and, uh, get at what you are uh, looking for. Obviously, you can also go to the underlying site if you want. Um, we support images, we support videos, we support different kinds of uh, summaries. Um, and for anything that is even slightly visual, I find just to be a joy. This is like, oh, did this actor act in this show? Just is so much more fun um, than, a regular, uh, than a regular search engine. And even for things like Kindly News, um, you, can, you, you can get at that news very, very quickly uh, and be able to flip through uh, a bunch of different folks, and then you can decide what it is that you want to deep dive you know, into. Uh, it basically makes search a easy, fun experience on mobile. Cool. And you know, generally speaking, like when I first came across Neva, I think it was over a year ago, and then I started following you guys on Twitter because you share a lot of great technical insights on how things are built. But one of the things that I initially noticed was just that your featured snippets were just dramatically better than what I was used to or what I was seeing side by side with Google. What is a, another feature um, to Neva that's like, you know, I, I should subscribe for this right away? Uh, we, the, the biggest thing is uh, like just, just, just control. This is a search engine that works for you. Uh, and so we will keep doing features that are all about making your life better. Uh, so for example, one feature that I use consistently often is for health queries. Uh, we support the simple thing called verified sites. Uh, these are basically like, you know, uh, and my, uh, the TLDR in my head is if I, if I'm actually concerned about something and I only want to read, uh, high quality information from Mayo Clinic, from, you know, from the Cleveland hospital, that's the thing that I'm going to, that's the thing that I'm going to tap on. It's things like that. Or you can say, I don't really want to see, take your pick, Amazon or Walmart when I am searching for products. It is that thing of here is a product that really, really works for you uh, that I would say is our biggest value add. Um, on that way, you know, we support uh, um, what we call preferred providers. Uh, all of uh, your listeners will have subscriptions to like some uh, new sites, but not others. I have like, for example, subscriptions to Wall Street Journal, The York Times, Economist, um, and I want those results uh, to show up more in my search as long as the relevance threshold is high. Uh, and similarly, I also have my Google Drive connected to, you know, connected to Neva. So if I'm searching for, I don't know, some doc or like ah, tax returns, uh, that's also just one search of it. It is all of these features 
where a search engine is transforming itself into working for you, as opposed to here is a cookie cutter, uh, you know, one size fits all, let's load it up with ads kind of experience. That's the main reason why um, you should you should subscribe. You'll feel fully in charge. It's a quieter, more pleasant experience. Plus, there is real utility, real time saving with how Nemo works. Awesome. Well, Sridhar, I really appreciate you taking the time today. This has been so awesome. You know, I've learned so much. I've loved just like talking about the nerdy technical stuff with you as well. And I could keep going for a long time, but I know we both have things to do. So I just wanted to give you this opportunity to like let people know where they should check out Neva, how should they follow you? Like what else should they be checking for? Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, please um, go to neva.com uh, uh, on mobile. You can, we have wonderful apps that you can, uh, you can download. Uh, uh, the AI answers are, uh, uh, are easy to get to. It's a premium product, by the way. It's uh, all of our features. You can try it for free. You can just sign up for a free account. Uh, uh, we do request that if you like the product that you, uh, that you subscribe. Uh, it's a $50 a year uh, subscription that comes with a bunch of uh, other uh, um, other goodies as well. Uh, much more than, um, you know, than that, you will help create an independent uh, search engine, um, which pushes the state of the art forward. Uh, we are very proud of uh, how many of the features that we do, how much of our innovation gets adopted by mainstream search engines. Of course, that means we have to keep going. Uh, we have to keep going at it. Um, but this is an amazing time uh, to be working on search. And I think we are at the threshold um, of uh, actually having a product that's going to be much, much better for all of us. Um, Nivas, of course, leading the charge. Uh, I'm grateful to you uh, and your listeners for uh, for listening. Definitely uh, go to Niva.com and check us out. Thank you. Oh. All right, thanks again. And those of you that are listening and watching Rankable, we'll be back next week. And yeah, sweethearts, thanks so much for your time. Check out Neva, and we're out. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.